welcome to Talk with Teddy. Thanks for joining us, friends. As an avid writer, a registered nurse, a nutritionist, an educator, and chronic illness sufferer, it's been so fun to start this podcast. I really hope that it has brought you the connection and the inspiration that you need to carry on in your own creative ways and becoming your best selves. Do you want an opportunity to bond more with your girlfriends or your daughters now that the craziness of online learning is done for the summer? Do you want to learn some important life skills that aren't taught in classrooms? Do you want to take something away with more confidence, a better sense of purpose and authenticity, more ready to face your future? If you agree with anything that I just said, then this online workshop may be a good fit for you. What does this class entail? What does it include for only $197? A free ticket for you and a friend or a daughter. A toolkit of goodies valued at over $450. Two one-hour instructional and engaging online sessions. Two activity sessions with most materials provided. And lifelong access to our online community for accountability and support for all of your future endeavors. Connect with us by leaving us a message on our Facebook page or emailing us at teddycutler at icloud.com to arrange for registration. T E D D I C U T L E R at icloud.com. Can't wait to see you soon. Our first online event is July 24th and 25th. Mark your calendars. Hey everybody. Hope you're enjoying the sunshine. I know I sure have been this morning. It is a beautiful day out here in Calgary and it could not be a more perfect day to uh, publish or at least record the season finale of this season of the Talk with Teddy podcast. It's also the season finale of our Looking Outward mini-series that we did to kind of round off this beautiful year that I have created this wonderful podcast. We have done 37 episodes. Isn't that crazy? 37 episodes, over 25 interviews. It has been so amazing. I have been so inspired by all of the people that I have had on this podcast. I have had so much great uh, feedback and some positive reviews. Please take a moment and whatever platform that you listen to your podcast on, please take a moment, rate me and review me. I really... Uh, love hearing the positive feedback. It just makes my day. So I have a giveaway to present and it includes a virtual workshop that I will be putting on at the end of July on July 24th and 25th. So I'll take a minute here and play the ad for you. But I am hoping people see this as a fantastic opportunity to uh, do something with their girlfriends or with their daughters. You can all attend it 
online virtually or socially distanced, maybe in a backyard or something like that. And it's going to be just such a great opportunity to love yourself more, accept yourself more, become more aware of yourself and your own tendencies in order to create those positive habits and create that lasting change in your lives to move you forward towards your goals and towards your dreams and towards whatever success looks like for you. So I'm so excited to be putting on this online workshop July 24th and 25th. You do have to contact me personally to register. So I'd love to chat with any of you. Just uh, throw me a line if you know me personally or send me an email at teddycutler at iCloud.com or else send me a message on my Facebook page, which is Teddy Cutler, T-E-D-D-I, Cutler, C-U-T-L-E-R. Um, so without further ado, I would love to introduce the final speaker that I'm going to have on this season's podcast interviews, and her name is Dixie Bennett. Dixie Bennett is amazing. I've known her for quite a while. She's a soulful woman and wealth coach and healer. She has a mission to empower 1 million women leaders who know they are meant for more and who know in their bones that life is not supposed to be so hard. 11 years ago, Spirit gave her the marching orders after experiencing three near-death experiences and healing to leaving her oil and gas career in international sales and marketing and was directed into the healing and coaching arts, opening a transformational healing center called Stillpoint Bodyworks, where she helps soulful women from all over the world clarify their vision, live their true purpose, step into visibility, and craft their sustainable, profitable, soul-satisfying business and signature offers where clients have double triple and even quadrupled their sales. Dixie believes when women leaders align to their inner wisdom, bringing consciousness in connection, spirituality, and business, they soar in their soul purpose. This is the pathway to feminine prosperity. She is also a retreat facilitator, international speaker, two-time Amazon international best-selling author, and podcast host of Inspired Women Gathering Show. She actually had me on her podcast as well. So be sure to check that out. And uh, she is featuring me in an episode where I talk a little bit more about positivity and success despite chronic illnesses and setbacks. So she can be found on her Facebook group, which is Inspired Women Gathering, colon, Abundant, Abundant Mindset heart marketing aligned purpose so maybe just search up inspired women gathering and you should be able to find her facebook group so i will bring dixie on the line so i usually do anywhere from like 20 minutes to my longest one i think is like 80 minutes so i'm pretty easy going as far as that goes as well Mm-hmm. Yep, we'll just let it go. Awesome. Allow it to evolve. Perfect. All right, ready? Ready. Okay. Hey, Dixie, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Teddy. I'm excited. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm so excited. I actually got to record a podcast interview with Dixie on her podcast um, not too long ago. So this is kind of fun. Now we get to talk more about her instead of about me. It's great. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So I've already introduced you, Dixie. Everybody kind of knows what you're all about. And I just want to get right into it. I want you to tell me more about your personal story and kind of what brought you to where you are today? Because you're just in such a great place in life where you just have so much to offer to other women. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I, um, well, as in my bio, it talks a little bit about my corporate career. I had three near-death experiences. Um, so when I was, I really, like, when I go back to, I was kind of a child who didn't really have a lot of direction. I you know, a lot of my friends kind of knew who they wanted to be and where they wanted to go. And I just didn't really have any, I would definitely say I was not grounded or anchored in my body in any way. And I made a lot of, you know, life bad decisions um, in relationships. And, and I say bad at the time, just because I didn't really have a lot of self confidence. I think that's what a lot of it when I look back and through a lot of the healing that I've done, I, I look back at the lack of self confidence that I I felt that I had, but I also knew, I always knew that I had this bigger purpose inside, but I didn't know what it was. And so I always felt like I was seeking for something more. Um, and I'd settle for the decisions that were happening right now, but then I would get bored and then I'd start seeking again. And so that was in relationships. And, um, and I had actually three near death experiences in my early twenties. Um, and you know, each one of them, like when I think about what was going on in my life at the time, it was very much that I knew something was bigger for me. I didn't know what it was. And I was, I just kept hitting the ceiling and hitting this wall. Um, but then I would just, you know, kind of have this setback where I really needed to sit in a little bit more solitude and quietness. Um, and then the next, you know, door would open or the next opportunity or possibility. And I think that kind of has been, that was my whole life leading up to my massive awakening. Like I was definitely walking asleep in my life. And, um, you know, I think, and I see that, you know, I, I took, I decided to go back to school. I was a, a late uh, person going to university. I was in my mid twenties um, or early, I guess early twenties, between 21 and 23, I decided I remember having an epiphany at work, actually, I was working in a warehouse and there was a lot of older people that were there and they were struggling so badly, like they literally had to come to work, they were on desk door like every day, their health and it was just a mess and I just kept looking at them I thought, is that going to be me when I'm like 60? Um, is this my life? Is this what I'm signed up for? And I just, I, again, I kept asking questions and saying, I know there has to be more to life for this, for me. Um, and so I went back to school. And so I was one of the older students at the time. A lot of them were fresh out of high school. And um, and then there were the, the 50 plus somethings or, you know, um, the moms who kind of went back to school you know, to reinvent themselves as well. So I was kind of like an anomaly in school where I was, there wasn't too many people my age that were there. And, but it, it really helped me give confidence and I did well, I excelled, which was really cool because school wasn't really my forte when I was younger. I actually found my transcript when I was cleaning some stuff out and I was kind of embarrassed at how 
poor my grades actually were. Um, and there were some classes that I, I can't believe I passed, you know, I probably shouldn't have passed, but I, I did, but just by the skin of my teeth. And I kind of still even have nightmares about going back to, you know, high school and redoing it all over again, you know, kind of thing. But when I went to university, it was so different. And I, you know, really excelled. And I think I kind of found myself like I, I learned skills. Um, I didn't grow up with computers. So I learned, you know, how to type and I learned, you know, a lot of the processing, you know, Word and Excel and like just so many of the everyday things that we need to use on computers nowadays. Um, and beyond that, like I just learned a lot of life skills, I think, too, and um, how to build events and conferences and um, just really stretched myself. And then so many doors opened in my life um, through that experience. And but regardless of, you know, in my corporate experience, I had just a lot of personal development, lots of exploration, lots of opportunities. Um, and I just kept, I kept looking and seeking and, and asking for more. And then I'd, you know, get that promotion or get that momentum going. And then I'd be bored. Like it was, it was at first it was about the money and it was about the, pr the promotion, but it still wasn't soul satisfying. It just wasn't enough. So, um, you know, and then part of the near-death experiences, I had still a lot of chronic pain, which was kind of my a silent, you know, my silent friend. And that Well, call me crazy, Dixie. I want to hear more about those. Like, I want to hear more about your near-death experiences. Maybe it's the nurse in me. Maybe it's like the natural <laughs> man curiosity in me. But yeah. did those moments of solitude really create that epiphany or that awakening for you? Or did that come later? Um, it definitely came later. I, like the first, so... Um, like when I was 26, I had blood clots in my legs and lungs, and it was actually from a birth control pill that I was taking at the time. Um, oh. But nobody would listen to me. Like my doctor wasn't listening to me. Nobody was listening to me. I went to my chiropractor um, and, you know, it was just like over a year, a period of a large period of time, I was getting sicker by the day because um, I used to walk to work every day. Like I used to be really high energy and um, all of a sudden, you know, every day I was like trudging. So it used to take me 20 minutes to walk to work. Then it would take me 25, then it would take me 30, 40, 45 minutes. Then all of a sudden it was taking almost an hour of walking to work. You know, it was just ridiculous. Um, and I worked on the second floor. So I used to take the stairs all the time. And then all of a sudden I found myself getting more and more winded. Um, and you know it was uh and then one day i literally felt like i was i was suffocating i didn't know i was oh, suffocating, no. but um i felt like a boa constrictor was wrapped around my chest and my lungs and every time i exhaled i couldn't get another breath in and it was so like it was so painful um and i was out of my mind like i was at where i remember specifically being at work and i was in so much pain i couldn't concentrate i couldn't really work i felt like i had a rib out like it just felt like it was um like uh just something just, wasn't right yeah, something wasn't right so i called my chiropractor and i said i need to come see you for an emergency like i need an adjustment i don't know what's going on if i put a rib out or not and my chiropractor wasn't available, so I saw a different guy, and he was trying to give me relief, and he made it worse, because um, that's not what my body needed, right? And, yeah. Um, and then even still, I still suffered, so I went back to work, you know, and it was just, it was, I think, back to that day, and I was just like, what is going on? But it was that night, like, I, I was, um, I went for dinner to a girlfriend's house, even still, like, how 
how how much unconscious or how unconscious I was I think back on how I was still pushing through it and I you know went upstairs like I my girlfriend and I lived in the same apartment building and she lived on the fourth floor I lived on the second floor and I it took every ounce of energy for me to get to her apartment and I you know was sat in her house and I just looked at her I was there maybe five minutes I said I have to go I can't be here and I went back to my house and then I you know, I couldn't lay down, I couldn't laugh, I couldn't sit, I couldn't cry. Like I was so, so, so uncomfortable. And so um, you know, I just, I literally, <laughs> I called my friend up finally and I said, you know what, I think you have to take me to the hospital. Something's not quite right here. And so she even kind of, I think she was kind of mad at me that because it didn't make sense to her what was going on. Um, and it didn't make sense to me what was going on. And so finally, she's like, are you sure? Like, is it really that bad? And I said, yeah. I said, you need to drive me to the hospital. Um, and so she did, which was also interesting because it was um, Stampede. It was the first night of Stampede, actually, here in Calgary, and which is a huge, major rodeo and party season, you know. Greatest outdoor show on earth, yeah. <laughs> and Big deal. It was also a full moon, um, so it was a nurse. I'm sure you could appreciate how crazy the hospital was. Oh, yes. yes. And it was like we were sitting in the waiting room, and we waited for about three hours. And, um, you know, uh, they just kept monitoring for my, me for my breath. But when I was sitting in the waiting room, I was literally, I felt like I was at death's door, like I, but it wouldn't open for me. Like I was just kind of... I was there. I knew something wasn't right. Um, it, it definitely felt like, is this it? Like I kept asking that question and yet there were no answers coming. Um, and I was still just kind of, I was just sitting there just, you know, holding, you know, what I know now is I was in fight or flight and I was literally hanging on for my life, but that's not what I really felt when I was sitting in the waiting room. I just felt like I was frustrated. I was mad at my body. I was just really pissed off at everything um, and wondering, like, what what was really going on? Like, why is this happening to me? And, you know, finally, when we got into the into the room, um, the doctor, he took one look at me and he said, I know what's wrong with you and we'll take care of you. And as soon as he did, I literally passed out unconscious in the bed. It was just like I needed someone just to say, Dixie, I've got you and you'll be OK. Yeah. And they. Wow. And I was in and out of consciousness for a little bit there. And then um, they took me for a CT scan. And then they literally found all the clots in my lungs. Um, so I didn't die of an aneurysm. I didn't <laughs> die of, uh, I could have, you know, there's so many possibilities. A pulmonary embolism. Pulmonary Good. embolism. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like it was insane. And they, they actually said that I should not have survived that. They said I should have been dead. Um, wow. And so for a miracle, you know, for whatever reason, and I just, and I knew, you know, again, I just thought, okay, well, obviously I'm here for a bigger purpose. I don't know why, I don't know what it is, um, but I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to seek, I'm willing to listen, and I'm willing to, um, I'm willing to explore that. And, you know, but with, with that came a lot of chronic pain. Um, and plus there was other, like, I had a lot of chronic pain before that. Like I was in a very abusive relationship. Um, 
that with a narcissist, well, a, an absolute narcissistic uh, individual who was also um, had mental health issues that I didn't know about. And, you know, that experience was um, very trying as well. Um, and then I nearly fell off the face of a mountain, plummeting to my death. Um, oh, and my goodness. So, you know, so there, there's just these these times of, um, you know, and, you know, there's just there's a lot going on at that time. But in my 20s, like I just felt like I was a lost cause. I felt like I was a lost soul. I felt like I had lots of possible direction but it was always me pushing for the direction it just didn't feel like it was flowing like i i guess in my deep knowing it should so i was always up against you know proving myself and trying to force things to happen and you know forcing the next career um you know the opportunity or you know, I mean, opportunities came because I was still looking for them and I had lots of believers and, and mentors because I worked hard. Um, so I was always proving myself. So it was definitely a lot of outward approval <clears throat> and outward forcing. Yeah. And well, and I appreciate that, like back in that day when you say it was maybe a lack of self-esteem, like there's no shame in that. And I like that you say it's not that you did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just simply you just didn't have all of the awareness that you needed. And we all start kind of where we're at and we just have to grow into that. So I love that you kind of took the shame away from from the decisions you've made in your past, because we've all made those decisions or had those experiences in the past that don't define us, but mm. we've kind of created that pivot point to help us kind of launch into what we are meant to do or where we're meant to be. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about the like palpable moment that changed your path or your direction. Well, I think it wasn't a, a specific one. It was just more of, um, I was seeking for healing and I was trying, like I was going to lots of the new age um, trade shows that were happening, which were not a lot back in that time. Like this is going back 12, 13 years ago, um, 15, you know, even 15 years ago. Like I would, you know, I'd hear about these new age trade shows and I'd just go by myself because nobody wanted to go with me. Um, I'd go to, I'd, I found these new age bookstores. So I was always kind of seeking it and curious, um, but you know, I wasn't really finding the answers. And so in that I was trying out Reiki. Um, I tried out different modalities, of course, massage and physio and, but my physical body was in so much pain that it was literally, I couldn't handle a lot of touch either. So even acupuncture at the time would really set me off, like would really set my nervous system off. Um, massage was too deep, too in-depth for me. I couldn't handle, like even just a gentle relaxation massage was too much. And so what knowing what I know now, like my nervous system was definitely in, in a disarray. Overdrive, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if I had fibromyalgia at the time. Um, you know, even though they say it's incurable, I definitely had... Um, I definitely had something that I was not diagnosed with and oh probably because fibro does come from like mental trauma and, and emotional absolutely. abuse and things like that as well and a lot of people don't understand that piece so if you've now kind of gone on to heal that that would make sense that you're maybe not healed from it but you're not experiencing those symptoms as strongly yeah so a big part of that was the heat so my healing journey so I, I kept inquiring I kept trying different things out I kept looking at 
you know, like reflexology and like the list goes on. Um, craniosacral, you know, actually I hadn't heard of craniosacral yet. So one of my colleagues in oil and gas actually mentioned, he said, you know, um, you should, we were talking about health issues and he's like, oh, my wife does this thing called craniosacral therapy and I, and I, you should try it. And I'm like, give me your number. So I called her that afternoon, got in for a session and I were, ended up working with her for about four years and it changed my life because um, through cranial sacral, there's a technique called somatic emotional release. And I didn't realize a lot of my chronic pain that I was dealing with was actually emotional trauma um, that I exactly. had started to And so it was like the beginning of the unraveling. And so we did a lot of work in those four years. And in that time, it also opened me up to... Um, I, I started having experiencing with experiences with angels. Um, I started, uh, angels came to me. So the first angel was Archangel Michael. Um, my intuitiveness started becoming more activated. Like even in my corporate office, I just knew, I knew things. I knew, um, I started seeing energies. Like I could see when people were dying, um, or with their health was really waning and you know, um, I had this one guy that I worked with who got transferred in from Africa and He was a runner um, He had but he had so much chronic pain that he literally was falling apart before my eyes And I just said to him something's not right with you. You need to go get help Like you need to go see a doctor. You need to go get a test something and he just kind of brushed me off but um, he finally went for an MRI, which came back negative. He went first, he paid, and I said, that's not good enough. You need to go back. You need to get something else. So he paid for a second MRI and it turned out that he had a massive tumor in his spine that actually ate, it was eating through his spine and he was in so wow. much pain. He was literally eating painkillers and it was too late. Like he literally died three weeks later. And wow. that was so sad because... I, I, I literally watched him and I, and I didn't know at the time, but he always looked gray to me. Like his energy was always gray. Just everything about him, you know, was just definitely off. And it was just like, well, is nobody else seeing this? Um, and people, you know, he was eating, he was popping, um, painkillers like candy. Um, and you know, how I met his wife was basically, I had to clean out his office and give her a box of all of his belongings. Um, and it was sad because I opened up the drawer and there was all these empty pill bottles. Um, I can't, I don't even remember what the medicine, the medicine was, but that was kind of like one of my major awakenings to being more intuitive than I, I thought I was. Um, and oh, then yeah. I started seeing people in the office and like, I could tell when they were lying. I could tell, um, when they were being authentic, I could tell when they were manipulating. Like I just started seeing, like, it was like, I was seeing more than, um, more than other people or either. And I was always confused. I'm like, why can nobody else see what I'm seeing? And they're just like, what are you talking about, Dixie? Like that was thought I was weird. Um, and I'm like, can't you see what I'm seeing? And they're just like, no, I don't understand what you're seeing. And then it kind of more. And so it's actually like a visual. Yeah. I think, are you there? Oh, I'm there. I don't know what happened. That was really weird. 
Yeah, I think it just uh, could be the the internet connection, maybe. Could have been the connection. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know where we left off, but I was I was saying that's amazing because I feel like I'm an intuitive person as well, but I wouldn't describe it as seeing. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't describe it as seeing somebody's color or their energy or things like that, but I can definitely tell when people are lying and I can spot a narcissist a mile away and things like that. So that's mm -hmm. so um, intriguing to me that you can actually see, mm -hmm. like you would describe it as seeing it. And I, I would actually describe it more, I guess I never really thought about that because I have a strong knowing. I've always had a strong knowing, um, but I always, I guess I always had the gift of sight too, but I definitely have more of a gift of sight now, especially as, as I work in, in what I do. But it wasn't really until I had that, that four years of healing where I really started understanding more of myself and I... And even in the healing sessions, like I started having really deep, profound experiences and I would relay them back to my practitioner and she would just look at me with big eyes like, what are you talking about? And she was more of a religious person, um, not necessarily open to the spiritual aspects of things. And then um, if this is too much, you let me know. But something weird. No, this is great. I started seeing her change. It was like she was a shape a shifter almost I saw her art oh, wow. and she was working with me like when we were working together I would see a different energy about her like her eyes changed her eyes even changed color um her energy shifted like I, it was like I was just seeing a different energy and a different person um and I shared that with her and she thought you know I was I was a crazy person and what am I talking about and I'm like okay maybe I am wow crazy. I don't know <laughs> Um, and so that's so crazy to me. Like I would be able to sense if something was off with a person's personality, but I wouldn't see it. That's just so awesome. That's cool. What a but gift. Was, I was, see I think I was probably seeing her, you know, maybe her guides coming through her, her chat, like her, because most people who are healers, like I even, I know for myself, I just believe that I'm a channel, I'm a vessel. Um, but I also, I... As I grew into it, I definitely have my bigger purpose is is a master healer. Like I'm here to hold space and to help people realize their highest potential. And um, and now, like as you know, like anything, you still have to exercise your muscles. And so yeah. I've done lots of personal development. Um, and you know, just certain things started happening where. Uh, even a really cool experience happened with one of my co-workers actually where he was really intrigued um, actually I want to back up for a second before that so you know part of the awakening was I as I healed I recognized with it it was like the awakening that I am the healer as well so then I started working with a life coach and out of one of the sessions came that I wanted to, I wanted to have a health center. And I'm like, where did that voice come from? Like, it was just kind of this random thing um, that fell out of my mouth. And I was shocked and I thought, but, but it still resonated with me. And I thought, well, what does that mean? And what do I need to do now? Uh, how does that happen? Like, what, what should I do first? Like, should I become a practitioner? Can I open a healing center? Like, what would that mean? And so I started, I just really sat with it for about a year and then I started researching and looking at different therapies and what did I want to do and what should I, you know, what should I go into? And I just thought, well, I really want to work with therapies, obviously, that help me awaken. So I looked at craniosacral training um, 
And then I looked at Bowen therapy training because that was another therapy that really turned my life around and helped heal on a different level. Um, and then Reiki chose me. I didn't choose it necessarily. It was just another, as I awakened through these therapies, I awakened into higher and higher levels of energy and consciousness. Um, and when I took cranial sacral therapy training, it was like I already knew in my, in my being, I knew it, I knew it because I had experienced it. So that was really cool because I had had lots of sessions. And so here I was learning the theory behind it and it felt so like I came home, like it just felt so right and so natural. And it was like, oh, you know, it was just like, this is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Um, and then all of a sudden, I love that. <laughs> one day I had Reiki balls, like energy balls in my hands and I literally woke up with them one morning and they were so strong and I was just like, what is happening? And I called one of my friends who was an energy person and she said, I think you should take Reiki. And so it just happened to be a Reiki course that I was recommended to, which, you know, she ended up, she is still my Reiki master and. I took her level one, two and mastery within the year. And there was this voice that came to me and said, you are here to, t you, you need to teach Reiki. Like this is, and I'm like, um, okay. So it wasn't, I didn't go looking for Reiki. It wasn't something I was, you know, looking to experience. It just kind of woke up inside of me. And so then I was looking at It's amazing how it often happens that way. You're not looking for it, but if you're in the right, frame of mind and in the right place in your life it will find you that's really great beautiful yeah so I just kind of learned to let go and just really allow the energy to guide me um and it's the same thing with cranial like I just love cranial sacral I love receiving it I love giving it um but I also do now like I do a lot of sessions with clients online but I can still tap into the cranial sacral system um through remotely and um, oh that is really good to know yeah I've it, had really good success with craniosacral as well it is so powerful like I do brain work um I can work in the cells and in the bones in the stem cells like there's just it depends on where the body wants to go so you know I just connect with it in a different way and and I think Reiki helped me with that because Reiki helped me understand more of the energy it helped me understand the chakra system um and then I look and I look at cranial from working from the inside out and I look at Reiki as working from the outside in um, uh, because you're working with the energy bodies and oftentimes the energy bodies, when you can correct them through Reiki, it will self-correct through the physical. And then other time, you know, with cranial, it's like working, um, working from the inside out. So you're working with the bone structure, you're working more strategically within the systems of the body and using kind of like the cranial sacral detector system which is like a yes no system or you know they use it in body talk they use it in muscle testing like there's so many different avenues that you can use it so you know energy is still it's the same thing to me um so it's just tapping in in, in a very different way but that for me has evolved over the years and um, and more and more doors have opened um, through understanding the physiology of the body as well as the energetics and the spirituality and how it all plays together. So, you know, that really was just a big part of, you know, I was definitely unconscious in my 20s, you know, bleeding into, it was like spirit was knocking on my head or God, you know, um, 
was just saying, Dixie, wake up. Like, Dixie, it's time. Wake up. And I'm like, no, I'm still sleeping. Leave me alone. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> we can't let you sleep anymore. It's time to wake up. And so then it was just kind of like this massive awakening of just thing after thing after thing. And I would say in my first few years of my business, um, like I, I left corporate and I, you know, kind of, it was kind of an interesting experience in itself because I was, I, I, it was a, a nasty corporate experience where um, I've, it was like emotionally abusive from the higher ranking levels, CEOs, executive vice presidents, um, and a lot of prejudices, you know, just being a woman in, in the workplace. I was the only female for a lot of my corporate career. I was usually the only female at a boardroom table. I was, you know, the only female on a team, um, you know, the executive teams for sure. And, you know, they'd skip over me. They would, you know, do things to sabotage me, set me up for failure. Like it was just thing after thing after thing. And it just got- That's just so draining, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't understand why people needed mental health days, you know, in my earlier careers. I'm like, oh, whatever, like what's wrong with people? And then what I really started to experience it, like I couldn't believe how sick I was. Like there were days where I just could not get out of bed and I couldn't figure out why. And, you know, it was just that, you know, it was the energy, like it was literally like the energy vampires, the energetic attacks, yep. the emotional attacks um it was the you know uh waning on my confidence i was a super sensitive person and even like my manager always said to me he's like dixie you need to get a thicker skin if you want to be successful in this in this world isn't that so interesting because i was told that growing up as well and i now kind of see myself as a bit of an empath like i can always sense how other people are feeling and i'm imagining you're probably the same way but you... growing up we were often told we were too sensitive mm-hmm well, not but really, it's not. we're just made for something more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I understand, you know, now I understand, like, I'm a massive empath, and, and all people are, to a certain degree, some people are just more conscious of it than others, some people are sleeping through it, like myself, um, in my earlier years, and but I was super sensitive, like I was always, you know, when I do look back, I've always been a person who just for whatever reason, my gift is that I see the highest potential and the truth of people. Um, yes. And they're, they're not seeing their highest potential. And so they act differently than what I see them to be. So it's like, even when I think back to the teachings of Jesus, you know, it's like the, um, like Jesus saw the beauty and the grace. He never saw anyone as broken or sick. And so that's exactly. why he's a master healer. Um, because he just held space and connected with people. And so I just always kind of felt that he still plays, like he is um, one of the master, as I said, he's a master healers. And, you know, I, I connect with him now, even in a different way than when I grew up, you know, when I was growing up. Um, I grew up in a very religious household and I don't practice religion now, but I definitely, I would say love is my religion and I practice spirituality. Um, and you are a very spiritual person, Dixie. Like there's nothing wrong with kind of finding your own way and still having that personal relationship. I feel like since this pandemic, I'm a very religious person and I attend church weekly, mm -hmm. but I've even found I've become a lot more spiritual because I've had to find it within my own self while I'm at home and studying 
on my own time. So I love that you say that kind of Jesus is the master healer and he sees that true potential in all of us. And that's where that self-confidence and that self-worth should come from. There is that higher being that just loves us and is loving on us constantly because we were created in his image. So of course we, we are destined for more. We are made for more if that's our potential, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, like prayer, um, I'm going on lots of different tangents right now, but that's okay. That's kind of the way I roll with my (laughs) podcast. It's all good. I want, I want to share like, even with prayer, like growing up, I never, I was always conflicted about church because I, as I mentioned, I guess as I reflect back, I've always seen the truth of people. And so whenever we went to church, I would see these people who were hardly nice to us in person, but yet everyone would greet you at church and be kind and nice to you. But then that only lasted for like an hour or two at church and then it went right back to normal life. Right. And, and even in the church, like I never felt like it was a safe place for me. It never, I never felt truly seen. I never felt accepted. I never, I was always trying people trying to make me conform to things that I didn't want to conform to. And I was always kind of the oddball out. Like I was, you know, even um, my mom used to make us go to daily vacation Bible school. And so we'd go for two weeks every, you know, every year. And I dreaded going Um, again because I was, you know, I was always the one out you know it was I wasn't included in in the games. I wasn't chosen. I wasn't, you know, the picked one. and I, and that's just it. And in organized religion, there, there is like the, the, the gospel or the, the belief system is true, but the people aren't perfect and everybody's just doing the best they can, but that leaves room for error and for people to feel offended or hurt and things like that. Like that's the unfortunate thing when there's a large group of people that to get together, whether it's church or a workplace or whatever, mm-hmm. there's always going to be those moments that kind of stick with us as a child. Mm-hmm. And even in my own family, like I always felt like the oddball out, you know, the black, you know, call it the black sheep, call it whatever the you black want. sheep, you know, is it's still the um, and I apologize because I was just informed that that was a racist term. Um, I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah. So because it's the black sheep that stands out. Right. So uh, against the white. I suppose you're right. Um, anyway, um, just the whole but yeah, just feeling like the odd, the odd man out and um, just a higher awareness and a higher just conscious understanding of nature. And, and that, you know, a big part of it too, where um, I woke up to, so going to the story about prayer, that's what I wanted to tell you was uh, I had this experience where this family called me one day and I used to do hospital visits for people. Like people would call me up and, um, you know, I used to do it for friends or family or friends of friends, you know, anybody who asked, I would do it. And then I had this random call from a lady who I didn't know. She found my website. She called me. Her son was hit. Um, it was a hit and run. He was skateboarding through a crosswalk and he got ran over and he had major brain, um, a major brain uh, injury. Damage. And he had a broken leg. Like he had all kinds of challenges and he had been in the hospital I think for about six weeks at that time and the fam so the mother called me and she I met with her at the hospital and I um you know I just I couldn't even bring myself to charge because I felt like if I'm going to the hospital to work with people I you know obviously they need their soul is calling for higher 
um, support and I never felt like I should charge going to the hospital to serve people. And so I didn't charge them anything. It was a, a random family. I never met them before. They didn't know me. They had never heard of me, but she found my website. And something inside of her just said that she should ask me to come and, and support her son. So I did. So we met in a room just, you know, privately, and she shared with me. She didn't tell me what denomination she was um, but of her faith, but uh, she just said that our family is extremely religious, so please, you know, be careful with your terminology. And I said, yeah, no problem. I can do that. And she explained a little bit about, you know, her son and what was happening. And she asked if I would mind if her and her daughter sat in the room and prayed while I worked. And I said, absolutely not. I said, that would be a true delight. I'm open to that. It would be delightful. Um, and then she also shared that there was about, you know, thousands, there was hundreds of people around the world that were also praying for him. And so when we got into the room and she introduced me to her son and um, I mean, he could he could speak, but he still didn't have a lot of awareness and he kept having some brain swelling and um, and anyway, they just wanted to bring some comfort to him. And so I thought, OK, well, I'm here to be of service, so let's see what happens. And so I started working with him and. Um, the mother and daughter were sitting there and all of a sudden the energy shifted in the room to this beautiful milky silver light energy. And it was like, it was, I, it was like I was seeing and palpably feeling the energy of prayer for the first time. And it was so wow. beautiful. It was so magical. It was so, um, inviting and it was just, it was I mean, I use the word mystical, like, it, I didn't, I still don't have words to describe it, but it still brings an emotion to me, um, because it was wow. such a palpable, beautiful, beautiful experience to be a part of, so I really felt like in that moment, I was co-creating from a different level of awareness, and, and really feeling the energy of prayer, like, it was so powerful, so that's when I kind of, I, I was like, wow, prayer really is a thing. Like I can, I've been able to sense energy and see energy and now I can feel prayer energy. And that kind wow. of woke up something in me as well, where I, um, like I teach Reiki and I started, I teach Reiki on Sundays. And I have pretty much only ever taught Reiki on Sundays because number one, it's a quieter day. Um, it's a day of true prayer. Everyone in the world is often yeah. in, a, in prayer on Sundays. And, you know, it's just a higher energy and a higher frequency. And, um, and so, and to me, it's like the attunement of Reiki is like, in a way, like a baptism. Um, you can put it in different terms, however you want, but it is, it's like a, it's a gift to me. It's a greater gift from a bigger place than myself. And so I just thought, what a cool day just to teach Reiki in the energy of Sunday. Um, and so, you know, that, I mean, those are just a few, I have a million stories actually of, of experiences that I've had like that. Um, and so I love that. Like you're just taking your gift and you are looking outward and you are blessing other people with it. I love that. You're welcome to share another story if you'd like to. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I've just, I've always, I love other people's, uh, like I love other people's perspectives. I love 
learning about other people's religions and and I've never really shied away from them because I I I mean every person has a right to do and believe what they are what they're trained in right what they're called to or what they're you know there's no I don't believe there's right or wrong and like I said before I like Absolutely. I believe love is our religion is my religion and nature portrays and mirrors that back to me so everything is created in divine perfection and relationships and people and children and no matter what are always they're all here we're here to learn from each other and I believe that we're here to teach each other um and one day I I was in my practice and again you know just higher level of awareness was starting to happen for me and I get, you know, it was just kind of this one day, <laughs> it all kind of happened in one day. And I specifically was driving to my office from home and I went over the street, the 14th street bridge, which goes over the Bow River. And I got to the end of the bridge and all of a sudden it was like, I drove through a tunnel and I was, it was like for the first time in my life, all of a sudden I could see in technicolor. It was like the greens had never been so green. The blues had never been so blue. And I was in awe. I was just like, what did I like? What did I just drive through? Like it was almost like maybe a, a vortex or like was or maybe I left my old life behind and and drove over the bridge and walked into my a newer consciousness, a higher a higher experience or a higher expression of what I'm supposed to see. And ever since that day, everything is more vibrant and alive than it ever was before. It was like I was seeing the the world through this lens of gray almost. Whereas, and then that moment, it was like my eyesight became so acute and so attuned and so alive. And then within a couple of days, all of a sudden, my hearing started becoming more acute. And I, it was raining. Um even the birds, like I had a whole ton of birds that would come outside the back of my office and I would have my window open in my treatment room and I would just hear all the birds and I could start hearing each of their individual voices. Uh, not, not as the collective bird, but as the individual bird. Um, and then I could hear the individual raindrops, <laughs> you know, it's just, it sounds so crazy. And I'm like, is that really a thing? I'm like, yes, it really was a thing. Um, when it started to rain, I could hear every single drop landing. And then even now, like I still hear all the drops landing at one time. It's not just rain. It's the raindrops, the, the accumulative collective, but yet the individual within. And it was just, it was so melodic and so beautiful and so, um, quite magical to be honest. And within that week, all of a sudden, one of my, a, a lady that I met who was networking, I went networking with and, um, or I went to an event and I had met her for the first time. And that was a while ago. She, I literally opened my door and she landed on my step and we literally came in to connect. Like we saw each other at the perfect moment. It was like, I opened the door and she was just arriving. And she said, Dixie, she's like, I just happened to be in the neighborhood and I was wondering if you have time to go for a coffee. And I said, well, you, how lucky are you? Because I actually have a couple hours for lunch. You know, I was just going to run across the street and go for lunch. Um, you're welcome to come with me. And she said, well, I have a couple of guests with me. I said, okay. 
Um, and who are they? So she said they were, she introduced them to me. Um, and they were both, um, Buddhist grand masters, uh, both from Taiwan. And she had actually turned her house into a Buddhist shrine. And so there was a gathering at her home for the last, I, I, apparently the week or so. And so there were all these people, um, from all over the world that had actually come and stayed at her house and, uh, there were three grandmasters, which apparently I learned later was very rare to have in a space at a time. And two wow. of them came over from Taiwan. Uh, one of them came from Vancouver. And and then, so they have this whole sacred ceremony. And so for whatever reason, she brought them to my office. And so we went for tea and I shared with, you know, we were just talking about spirituality and experiences. And, and I shared with them the story of, you know, just all of a sudden, like my eyesight has been strengthened and my ears are so acute. Like I'm picking up very, uh, I can hear everything. It's like bionic hearing. Um, and just my intuition and, and other things were starting to happen. And they said, um, well, we would like to gift you with, um, an, a, a ceremony. And I said, you know, and apparently they were there, like they were both leaving on airplanes the next day. Um, and so they, it was their last night there and they offered this, this ceremony, this gift. And I said, um, enlightenment ceremony. Sorry, that's what it was. They wanted, they offered this enlightenment ceremony. And I said, sure. <laughs> like you guys are here in my space. I'm sharing the story. You're hearing me out. You're acknowledging that I'm not a crazy person. Um, and we were talking about the experience of enlightenment. And so they were there from the Buddhist faith and I had never experienced Buddhism before. And I thought, okay, well, I'm open to this experience. And so I went to the, this woman's home who was, it had turned into a shrine and it was such a powerful, powerful experience um, because it was a sacred ceremony. Um, and I don't remember even now, like I can't remember a lot of the details, but they were speaking um, in different languages that I, it was, I didn't know what they were saying, but there was something in me that it felt so, it's, it, it felt comforting and it felt like a deep knowing that I knew I knew what was happening. I knew every step of the ceremony. It was like I had been there before. It was so interesting. And so they, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was it was really quite magical. Um, and it was like we had to do the ceremony before midnight. So it was probably about because I said, well, I can come after work. And, you know, so I showed up around seven or eight and then we did the, the ceremony before midnight, whatever. Um, and it was just so, so, so profound. Um, I actually had an experience where Buddha, the Buddha actually came into the ceremony and, but it was like an energy shift where literally like, you know, when you watch horror movies or movies of eerie experiences where all of a sudden the energy changes and the leaves are like kind of moving and there's fog coming. It's like the cemetery, um, scene. Oh yeah. And so I had that same experience, but as the, as the energy shifted and it was like in my visual, I was seeing these leaves kind of rustle and move with the wind. Um, and then this big Buddha appeared and it was like the happy laughing Buddha. And he literally like just landed in my space. It was like, he just, you know, like the big marshmallow man. Um, and he just sat there. <laughs> it was just so, but it was so jovial and it was so beautiful and it was so welcoming and appreciating and, um, so magical. And, um, 
this whole ceremony experience was really quite profound. And so the next day, two of the, so I had the ceremony with the three grandmasters. And there was actually the lady who invited me, she said, Dixie, she pulled me aside. She said, you don't understand how sacred this experience is. Nobody that I have ever known has had a sacred ceremony, an enlightenment ceremony with three grandmasters. Um, it is extremely rare to have one grandmaster in an area, let alone three, and to have three performing the ceremony. So you are a, an extremely fortunate soul. And I was like, wow, <laughs> um, I just saw, you know, I just met these strangers. I just had this experience and there was a big part of me that just said yes. And I just showed up for that experience. And so, you know, that always kind of stayed with me because, um, you know, it was another form of, a, of awakening. And, and then one of the grandmasters actually decided to stay an extra day. So he canceled or he was going back to Taiwan. Um, but he stayed back for an extra day and so I got to spend the whole day with him one-on-one -on -one. and we just sat in conversation and just talked a little bit more about just the Buddhist faith and um, just the, you know, and him and I still stay in touch on Facebook. We talk every once in a while and stuff, but, uh, you know, it was just such a, one of those random, you know, or not so random experiences. And, right. You know? And I love how you described how you felt when Buddha came into the room. Like, I feel like that's, that's the point, you know, that's that feeling that we're all supposed to feel all the time, which isn't possible in this life or on this earth. And how I would describe it in my lingo and in my terms is you're feeling the spirit. Like that's, mm. that's the best feeling that you can possibly feel in this lifetime. So in that space, like that just must've been so fabulous for you. Oh, it was just magic. I love how you say it. it's magical because it really is. It's, yeah, it's an amazing out of this world feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the awakening is because I've watched I, I'm a documentary junkie. I love watching anything to do with especially um, leaders of our past who, um, you know, I was watching this. I watched a documentary once on Billy. I was Billy Graham and um, but it was specifically on this, I can't remember the name of the guy. Oh, it's actually a movie now. Um, he was an Olympic runner from the U.S., but he was also Italian. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But his, um, you know, he, when he, he was lost, his soul was lost, and he went to Billy Graham and um, had his awakening through one of Billy Graham's experiences. And, you know, I just thought, you know, I think... Um, some of us are called because we were called to go to church. We're called to go to these ceremonies, whatever ceremony it is, the gatherings, right? The gathering of um, people who sing together, the people who go to church together or do Buddhist meditations or Buddhist chants or, um, you know, whatever, whatever your, whatever you feel called to, to sit in circle with. Um, some people are lost and they have those massive like I finally face my fears and my demons to be able to find my the love and the peace and the joy from within because I and and over the years too like I I denied the angels actually I was not happy for whatever reason I couldn't accept their love and um, I had this experience, even just last year, I had a major surgery last year that 
I had, you know, was diagnosed with potential cancer and so I just really focused on, it was uterine cancer, so I had a forced hysterectomy and I really spent the whole year just really diving in and working more on myself and I worked with this gentleman out of England and he just said, you know, um, I have never met anyone, because I told him my experience where I just... I had the angels had come and presented themselves to me and I just shut the door because it was too overwhelming for me and I didn't want that experience so um, but I ended up getting ascension sickness I call it because I ended up with severe a vertigo and uh, it followed me for two years where I'd be fine one minute the next minute I'd be on the floor in the fetal position I couldn't walk I wow. couldn't drive I couldn't do anything and so it was like I was denying love at the end of the day that's really what the message was and so when I worked with this beautiful soul he said Dixie I've never met anyone who was so afraid of the angels and I said well you know I don't know why I said I, I've been open to all these other experiences but for whatever reason I just can't seem to be fully open to the angels and so he sat with he did a ceremony with me and helped me open my heart more to the angels and and that was really powerful because now, you know, the angels are there. They've presented themselves to me more. Um, I work with other, I, I mean, I've seen and connected with so many other deities in expressions of working with other clients and other people. Like they, I believe everyone has their guides and their protectors and their, their people, uh, well, their, their spirits, their um, guided angels, um, ascended masters, whatever it is, we all have kind of our entourage that, that is willing to work with us. And I've just Definitely. had many experiences to ignore that anymore. Um, I would have said you're a crazy person before, but these are experiences that I can't deny. And I, they just keep appearing and showing themselves to me in really dynamic and powerful ways. And, you know, so I just, I just say yes. I just learned to say yes. And I trust that um, I'm here to do, be of service. And one of my mentors, his name is Kyle Gray. Um, he teaches angel, he, he teaches a lot about angel theology as well, which I really appreciated about him. And he, he just said, you know, I am here to do God's work and I am here to you know it's god's money and it's god's work and i'm just the channel and the vessel to bring it um into reality and i just thought that message always really stuck with me because i believe yeah. that we are all here to be messengers you know if you want to call it god spirit universe whatever that's i mean we're all children of something greater and we're all yes. here to be of service um and if we can help to serve each other and bring awakening and aliveness to more people to have awakened to a higher expression and a higher experience of themselves, whether it's in business, whether it's, you know, just in awakening of their soul or stirring something up inside them to question and start asking, well, there has to be more to this life than, you know, just watching TV and zoning out uh, and shopping to you know, now I just, my playground is nature. I go into nature and nature shares so much of itself with me and I yes. commune with nature. You know, I commune with people. I commune with space. I commune with 
um, everything, you know, airplanes. Um, I commune with everything that I come into connection with um, because we're not truly separate at the end of the day. It's learning how to be in harmony with the, with the elements, with each person and expression and experience that we're meant to have. You just said that's so beautiful. I feel like that just tied everything in so nice with you just went through so much to find yourself internally and you had to kind of have those moments of um, awakenings or of self-awareness and you've really come into your own and you've been able to bless your own life and bless the lives of so many other people around you. It's just, it's very inspiring to even get to talk to you right now and hear about some of your amazing and sacred experiences that you've had, Dixie. It's been, it's been so amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, an, it has been quite the journey, that's for sure. Well, and it's not over yet. You've just got so many things coming your way and they're all good. Do you want to tell us any more about kind of what your business is all about and how people can find you? Sure. Well, um, right now I'm just kind of focusing on my Facebook group. So it's called Inspired Women Gathering. Um, and I, you know, part, another part of my awakening too was, you know, I went into energy work. Um, I left my corporate background, which is in sales and marketing. And over the experience, mostly working with entrepreneurs and leaders, um, I just recognized that both of them actually have a place together. And so I, I focus on, you know, helping people awaken to their consciousness of their business. Um, I love the energy of sales and marketing, helping people to, you know, create and design signature offerings that are really aligned with who they are at their core um, instead of trying to push, you know, trying to sell individual things um, or services or therapies. It's more about, you know, people want to buy you and your experience and the experience that they're having. So um, it's, it's just really about helping people come into higher alignment with their soul purpose and packaging it and delivering it and receiving the money that they deserve. It's, you know, again, it's healing our relationship with money, looking at our, um, you know, how we're showing up in the world. Money is how we do everything. So it could be, you know, relationships with others. It's our relationship with our clients, relationship with partners. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. So just more of a holistic, you know, approach to understanding the energy of money, understanding the energy of business. Um, and shifting it into more. I absolutely love that. And I, I think we're definitely cut from the same cloth because I feel like our, our life's goals or our life's passions are so similar in that sense. Cool. Yeah. Well, I love and, it. I love it. And just helping women come, you know, just awaken to a higher level of service, right? It's not about pushing outward. It's just being fully aligned with how you want to serve in the world. And then that calling, you know, just being more in alignment with that, helping people awaken and then deliver, right? So that's what Absolutely. I'm passionate about um, teaching. So that's my Facebook page. And then I have my um, Inspired Women Gathering podcast as well. So interviewing fabulous women like yourself and, you know, women who have gone through, um, you know, turmoils and challenges and turned them into triumphs, you know, is um and designing the life of our dreams from a different experience and perspective you know there's there's no cookie cutter way about it so honoring the uniqueness of each and every one of us 
Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much for your time, Dixie. It's been an honor. It's been awesome. I know our listeners will definitely uh, appreciate all the value that you've added and it's a perfect way to kind of end off my season. You're going to be my last bonus episode for this first season of my podcast. So I think this was a perfect episode for it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Well, go out there and enjoy that beautiful sunshine that we've got today. And I really do appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Teddy. All right. Thanks. Mountain Movers are a high quality, highly reliable moving company who offer to assist you with all of your relocation needs. Find out more and request a discount by contacting our good friend and owner, Jeff Gilbert. Email him at mountainmovers@mail.org and tell him Teddy sent you. I'm sure he'll give you a discount. Thanks for listening, friends. Don't forget to leave us a review, share your favorite podcast episode with others, and spread the love. Have a great day and keep becoming your best self.